Welcome to the Innovations in Training podcast presented by Training Magazine. Each episode is going to bring you interviews with industry experts and thought leaders who are shaping the future of learning and development. Whether you're a designer or developer, facilitator, manager, business leader, or you're simply curious about emerging trends in learning and development, this podcast is your go-to resource for inspiration and insights and practical strategies that you can use today. The podcast regularly features our test kitchen, where you'll have the opportunity to experience firsthand accounts related to new tools and technology, how they're applied in the workplace and what works, and even sometimes doesn't work. We'll be sharing recipes for learning innovation success that can fuel your training initiatives and professional growth. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Innovations in Training podcast. I am your host, Felice Banner. I'm a learning experience design consultant and master chef in Training Magazine's Innovations in Training Test Kitchen. In this episode, we're going to explore AI writing tools with May Habib, CEO of Writer AI. I met May back in October of 2022 and was immediately impressed with her knowledge, her enthusiasm, and her insight into AI's potential to revolutionize the world of writing. Welcome, May. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much, Felice. I was so heartened when you got so excited in our first meeting. This was kind of before the you know, major hype around all of this. And so the fact that you and your peers were so excited about it, I thought, woohoo. <laughs> woohoo is right. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself, May, and what you do and what led you to do what you do now. Yeah. So I, a little bit about myself, um, I have been in NLP. Uh, and machine learning for years now. Our first company, uh, we started um, nine years ago in machine translation. And uh, it gave us two incredible insights, really being in machine translation that early. One um, was this real understanding of all of the content processes that happen function by function inside of a company. So you think about a company that now needs to enter a new market, everything from top of funnel to bottom of funnel is going into that new language, including training and support and L&D and everything that you need to do um, to be successful. And so our team had this like real uncanny ability to like very quickly grok um, a, a content workflow. And so then when we put that together with our very early look at what transformers could do, because of course, so much of that underlying uh, research was happening for machine translation use cases, and, and we were at the forefront of using those tools and approaches. Uh, it, it was very obvious uh, what we needed to do. <laughs> we needed to build a way um, for companies to more easily make use of uh, transformers and later pre-trained transformers to address so many of the complex content challenges that exist inside of the enterprise. Wow. So let's jump right into Writer AI, which is where you are now. And Tell us about Writer and its key features and how it differentiates itself from other tools on the market. And, you know, I think three months after I met you, ChatGPT became all the rage, right? And, and it was so interesting to see what 
writer could do versus what chat GPT could do. And that's when I started going down this rabbit hole to mm-hmm. explore every <laughs> writing tool that was out there. Sure. So the, the, the big differences come down to um, a, a few pillars. Number one, writer is a full stack platform. So we are both the foundation models at the bottom, uh, generating all of this incredible content and insight. And we are a customizable UI that sits on top of that. So whereas think about, you know, chat GPT is kind of one window, ask response, ask response, which is very useful for some things. Writer allows companies to actually design the interface uh, for specific use cases, be it a claim response or a client communication or building slides for a presentation, you name it you are able to design the interface for each particular use case that your users are, uh, are, are using. So in the case of L&D, what are we going to ask from our um, instructional designer um, as inputs when coming up with a new quiz? Is it going to be reference material that they put in as URLs? Is it going to be the PDF of the instructor's guide? Is it going to be notes from uh, the uh, speaker section of a, uh, a PowerPoint presentation? You name it. That UI uh, is highly customizable. So that's pillar number one full stack platform. Pillar number two is all of the security and privacy. So that whole platform can actually be hosted inside of a customer's own private cloud, inside of their own cloud environment. And why that is important is, especially for these high value use cases, we're talking proprietary data. I don't want to be sending all of that to Microsoft, right? And we've got lots of intel around what Microsoft is actually doing in the fine print here, and it is not pretty. And so by really having that model or that uh, 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 UI layer or both inside of somebody's own environment, they are that much more comfortable sending the proprietary data uh, uh, to train the model and fine tune it and asking, you know, thousands of their employees to actually input sensitive information or proprietary information in there. Um, So that is that's pillar number two. Pillar number three is the the methodology and enablement around how we actually roll this out and train people on how to use it. And I tell the team all the time, we are very aligned on this. If like our legacy in this world is that 30% of employees can do the work of the other 70%, we have failed. What we want to do and what our vision is, is to enable every employee to be AI enabled. And so that is not just software and technology. That is training. That is showcases. That is inspiration. um, That is really making sure that nobody is left behind here because the potential for gross inequity at work between those who like really grok this and give themselves leverage and those who don't. That's just not going to be a fun thing to happen (laughs) for anybody. So those are the three big ways in which we are um, different, not just from ChatGPT, but really just about anybody in the space right now. Yeah. And uh, you just brought up some points that I want to hit on, May. So thanks for (laughs) throwing these words out here, because when you talk about this, you know, you uh, the ask response, it's this ask response model. In some cases, it's free. 
right? And the tools out there that are free, that are generating text, visuals, music, you know, anything. Mm -hmm. And then there's the paid version. And in my experience, and I've been trying this out for months, the paid version gives you something better. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you talk about inequity and you talk about leaving no one behind. So where are we going with this future of paid versus free? And, you know, I think about this from the perspective of learners. I'm doing a lot with universities, how to incorporate AI into teaching and learning. You know, what does that look like? So your thoughts in this space, May? Yeah, totally. Um, I, I think inside, so first let's, let's divide up the world into consumer and, and enterprise. And I think, and this is a great thing that there is going to be a huge coming commoditization of consumer applications. Uh, we saw this firsthand in the localization space um, that we were in for many years. Uh, Translate.google.com did not destroy the localization industry. It made it so much bigger, right? Because people could kind of get the like good enough out there, uh, could trial things out, and then could go, you know, to town um, when something was proven. I think in consumer, we are soon going to be able to have free multimodal. Um, uh, uh, applications where, you know, a few words, if you know how to ask the right question, and let's come back to that, right? Um, uh, if you can uh, describe what you want to see, whether it's a video or a piece of text or a piece of audio, uh, you're going to get something pretty good back. And you're going to you're gonna get that for free. So that's on consumer. And I, so I, I think some of the, the quality differences on consumer applications um, that you're seeing right now between paid and free consumer, those, those gaps are going to be closed. And the, the big companies are making sure that is like a race to the bottom, which is good for consumers. On the enterprise side, our bet is that if you look at use cases on this matrix of, you know, high workflow and high requirement. Right. So for high consideration products or um, uh, types of um, analysis or generations where um, from a human workflow perspective, from a regulatory perspective, from a compliance perspective, um, there are going to need to be a, a set of eyes, whether those eyes are like post-processing NLP APIs or whether those eyes are expert humans um, that have to be involved in generating the insight or, or the content. And for those use cases, neither the consumer uh, uh, applications nor the generative AI being built into uh, every platform are going to be sufficient to meet those needs. And that's where uh, we think people need a, a platform like Writer. Another thing that we really believe is big companies are going to have multiple approaches to all the different generative AI use cases. And we can definitely, and we do help people think through um, kind of the low workflow, low requirements use cases and those trade-offs, i.e. like, should I get everybody a chat GPT license? Um, should I let people use BARD? Um, and, you know, uh, when Copilot finally comes out, like, what are going to be the implications to anything I've built homegrown in, you know, my playground? So there are a lot of things that we're helping people with kind of like in adjacent spaces, but high workflow, high requirement, generative AI use cases, you know, is, is still very firmly, um, you know, our territory. So let's go back to that, ask the right question. Yeah. 
What does that mean to ask the right question? And, you know, this is uh, one of the things that I love about working in the L&D and EDU space is Mm -hmm. that everything revolves around curiosity. Other people talk about it as engagement. I talk about it as curiosity. Curiosity is what drives all learning, right? Exploration, curiosity. So becoming curious in this space as I'm interacting with AI, how does that help me shape the right question? Like where are these right questions coming from and what are we learning and what do we need to teach? I know that's a lot of questions. No, it's, it's, yeah, let's, and and let's, let's start very high level. I think um, broadly and liberally um, trained knowledge workers are going to take over at work. And the reason for that is um, the imagination and um, ability to um, uh, bring into what they're doing kind of multiple concepts um, is is going to have this outsized impact. And, and let me give you an example. Like, um, let's say I am a uh, very simple example. Let's say I'm coming up with... Um, you know, uh, 10 headlines, H1s for um, uh, a bunch of landing pages. Um, If I can direct writer to, you know, use David Ogilvie's principles for capturing um, a reader's attention, right? I don't even need to say any more than that, right? Writer is going to do that. Um, But if I don't know who David Ogilvie is, or I actually don't know um, if I don't have a principled approach to copywriting, um, you know, I'm not going to know to ask that question. The person who does know to ask that question is going to do a better job. And like on and on, you know, um, the f- people who are widely read, um, who are, I think, um, come from a liberal arts background are going to do very well here because like asking the right question has been just part of right their training. Uh, I think it's going to be harder for people who are um, uh, who've who've succeeded in their careers by being like very narrowly technically focused because that is going to be something that um, I think is just easier to to commoditize actually. So part of my expertise and skills for the next century are is asking the right question. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and knowing enough about a space and a, a adjacent mm-hmm. spaces um, and having the creativity to imagine what could come next, um, I think, is, uh, is, is so necessary. We're going to take a short break now, and we'll be right back after a message from our sponsor. The Innovations and in Training Podcast is sponsored by SimTrain an AI training platform that automates time-consuming role-play exercises required to prepare your employees for interactions with customers. SimTrain helps teams learn more faster by creating an immersive CX training experience. For more information, visit SimTrain.com. I think of artificial intelligence as as being a companion. Mm -hmm. it's, it involves having a conversation of some sort and asking for something and, and being able to control that conversation and relationship. I want to talk about an experience I had just the other day. I, again, use many, many tools in this space. 
I happen to be using writer. Yay. <laughs> and I asked, I use, <laughs> it is my favorite. So I am biased. And that's what I want to talk about is bias here. Um, I asked for a scenario to mm-hmm. help ah. me develop a scenario mm-hmm. where conflict arose between two coworkers. Give me a paragraph. And it gave me a wonderful example, short paragraph, and the names used were Sally and Pete. And that's not good enough for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. I immediately pictured two white people. Yeah. And so what do we do in that space? And I and you know, I think about what was called and probably still is called human in the loop in this space. How do we train our intelligent agents to recognize and embrace diversity, welcoming, belonging, inclusion? Yeah, those are those are great questions, Felice. And, and it is so subtle, right? Because especially at work, um, you know, a lot of the low hanging fruit on AI safety and bias we've addressed already. And this is just much more subtle, right? Um, and in, in so many ways uh, insidious. I, I think the technical approaches to this are are clear. Um, they're not they're not complicated. Um, it's just like further down on the list, right? Unless a company says, hey, writer, this is really important to me. And like it comes to the top of our list for their for their own implementation and, and rollout. Um, so, you know, so so much of this question is a um, a like leading the pack type of question because everybody is still in like utter chaos land when it comes to generative AI. And most people have not yet really left the sandbox with regards to large scale rollouts. Um, And these are exactly the types of questions. Um, I have been waiting for folks to ask a question like this. Um, I have been waiting for folks to ask for an API um, to actually be able to test our models for their own sets of bias and inclusivity requirements, right? And I'm excited because I know we're going to do great. Um, this is a great example where we wouldn't have done great, uh, but that, you know, we would be addressing, um, especially if it comes from um, a, a customer and in, in, in pretty, you know, short course. Um, but most people are not there yet. So... Let's talk about writing in general and the creativity involved in in writing. And I love how you talked about the knowledge workers uh, taking over, right? And um, I have a friend and who also says, you know, you're not going to lose your job to AI. Someone who uses AI is going to have your job if you don't, you know, jump on board. So. What is going to be the role of the writer in the future? And what does it mean to be a writer? And what does creativity in this space look like? I think the 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 premium for like true human interaction and writing that reflects real human interaction is uh, is just going to be so obvious um, if it's not already. Um, with the naked eye, if you are not a skilled um, user of AI, 
the output is glaringly obvious because it lacks statistics and um, quotes and personal stories and anecdotes. And that style of writing, um, I think, is, uh, is, is going to be so much more appreciated, not just by humans, but by the algorithms. And so skilled writers who can turn conversations into insights and um, insights into breakthroughs and breakthroughs into narratives and all the things that writers are really great at. Uh, I don't think that job ever goes away. Uh, just the tools um, that they use, um, the uh, maybe rate of composing, right, um, speeds up. Um, but you can only have so many actual human conversations, right, in a, in a day. So I, I think we are uh, giving people tools and, and, and really that's it. I think a lot of this writing hype is, is going to die down, I hope. Um, and, you know, AI will be uh, very powerful, uh, but really just another tool in a writer, writer and storyteller's tool belt. I love that. And like in this L&D space, what I'm seeing happen every day, I get a, a new message about some AI tool being integrated into a learning development platform. So now you can use AI in your LMS and you can create, you know, it can automatically create your, uh, you know, your outline or your structure for your content module. And maybe even analyze your audience and create learner personas and all the things that we do. So, yes, it's making my job easier. I will always go back in and check, right? I will always check authenticity and make sure that that narrative is in alignment with the voice of the organization, the voice of the institution, things like that. So I'd love to hear from you what excites you most about the future of AI, and also what you're most afraid of, if anything, in that space. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about um, where the idea of um, kind of multi-application AI goes. So, you know, our ability um, to help Felice, you know, come up with a scenario and then also send a draft of that scenario once you approve it to LMSA and an email asking somebody uh, what they think about that approach before, you know, you go in and publish it. Uh, so I'm excited to speed up my own workflow. Uh, I work way too many hours in a day, even when I delegate so much. Um, and I do delegate a shit ton. Oh, we have a very strong team. Uh, and yeah, I would love to get just as much done, but get it done in eight or nine hours instead of, you know, 10 or 11 or 12 or 13 hours. <laughs> um, the thing that scares me is, um, will people, how quickly will people understand um, that sometimes um, the, the the form of um, the form of the thing can really impact the function of the thing i.e um, most people are not you know first draft drafting inside of an LMS right they're starting in a word doc or they're starting in a G doc and when you look at um, a blank page or a blank cursor or even like your own 
you know, a, a template that you had for something. Um, but you are in an authoring environment versus a publishing environment. Like, was there a first principles approach uh, that you brought to your thinking that is going to go away if you're actually now looking at a first draft for the first time inside of a publishing environment, right? Where kind of like your your heart rate's a little faster, like you you see those buttons right there, like that is a UI meant to push stuff out. Um, and so I do wonder, um, and you know, L and D is is a great example. Um, you know, multiply this by like every function um, that is now going to be. Uh, merging, authoring, and distribution, right, as so many of these platforms kind of get on, hop on this train, and a lot of them in unthoughtful ways, right? Um, Part of the reason this is like so fast, everyone is doing this literally overnight, is because it's a single API call. Um, Writer is an NLP company as much as we are an LLM company, which is why our output is so good. You know, really worries me that um, companies who have no idea what good content looks like, who aren't NLP nor LLM companies themselves, right, are, are putting first drafts in front of people who this might be their first L&D job. It might be year one for them. They might have just started at a company. Um, and I, I do think we're going to see a lot of these platforms roll some of that back just based on feedback, based on um, uh what enterprises are seeing and doing. Um, you know, we know from products that our customers use that some of their largest kind of enterprise customers of these products have asked for like an admin switch. I actually just want to be able to turn this off for everybody. Um, so, you know, that we will work that out. It doesn't like, you know, scare me so much that I would say nobody should be integrating these without experience, etc. It sounds so self-serving to say that. that that's not what I mean. It's really that, um, you know, both we in our own practice, in our own product, um, really try to help people understand, like when you are in authoring mode, these are the types of things you want to be looking for and at when you're looking at AI assisted content or generated content. Um, And when you are in the publishing platforms, you want to be using AI to edit, right? Not draft. Um, Because mixing those two things, I do think impacts the quality. I agree completely. And from an instructional design, learning experience, design perspective, in that authoring phase, you really are creating an enormous narrative that has so much flow and taps into, you know, different knowledge exchanges along the way in this pathway. And, you know, the, the number one rule of thumb, alignment with learning outcomes, alignment with learning outcomes, that's all well and good, but it's really leading towards evidence of learning and where does that evidence lie? And for me, it, you need to take that step back to have that holistic look and to see what that learner pathway, that learner journey is going to be. Creation, authoring, and publishing, very, very different things, very different places. Um, being asked to author in a publishing platform is like nails on a chalkboard for me. So painful. So I hear you. I get that. Thank you. Thanks for, for sharing that and stating it so clearly. I'd love to close by um, asking you for advice to anyone who's new to this, 
who's curious, who's afraid, who's just dipping their toe in the water, who's maybe overwhelmed by everything that's out there. Yeah, definitely. I, I think the first piece of advice is it's it's honestly not going to change things as much as the hype, truly, truly, because the 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 standards are going to go up and the only people who are going to be able to meet those standards are ta-da people. <laughs> so like you you have a skill set that like no AI is going to match because it's just you you are too multi-threaded into like what makes for an incredible learning outcome um, for this to be replaced by AI. It's just the technology is not there, even the technology that is coming. Having said that, to your point of, um, you know, are the people who learn how to use AI um, going to be uh, more impactful in their organizations? I, I would I would say that is that is going to be true. And I think the best way uh, to make sure you're one of those people is to go into experimental mode as you have uh, and really get a hands-on feel for um, what the what what the output is like with very vanilla prompting, uh, what the output is like with more sophisticated prompting. And then we do want to do a, a prompting workshop that is focused on L&D and knowledge work. So I'd love to work with you on, on that, Felice. Um, but once once you all once you've integrated AI into kind of farming out for you, right? Like little parts of that journey and that narrative and that arc that you've created yourself, um, I think it all becomes just a lot less a lot less scary. Uh, and I think you know that's kind of the the crawl walk. I think the run is then you know using um, everything that you have so uh, perfectly you know expertly crafted and turning that and transforming that into, you know, other pieces of um, collateral and, and deliverables, right? And especially there are so many people who are um, individual contributors or consultants in this space, right? Being able to um, uh, clone themselves or give themselves leverage with AI, I think is a really powerful uh, next, um, next step. Thank you so much, May. Um, I appreciate you being here with me today, sharing your insights, your expertise, and for being a, a champion for innovation in this space. Thank you so much, Phyllis. So, so lovely to be here. Training Magazine is the leading business publication for learning and development and HR professionals. It's been the ultimate resource for innovative learning and development in print, in person, and online for more than 50 years. 